Hello, everyone. Happy Monday and welcome to episode 123. And today I'm going to be talking about imposter syndrome. So I'm going to actually be going through exactly what it is, where it stems from, in what people it's most likely to um, be present in and actual things that you can do, like actionable things that you can do to start curbing that imposter syndrome Um, because there is a lot that you can do and you can get rid of it, okay? So that is what the episode is going to be about. Um, Life update. Guys, I'm sorry. I just don't have that much thrilling, exciting stuff happening. Well, actually, that is a lie. That is a lie. There's a couple of things on the horizon that I am working on. I'm so excited to announce a few things. The Probably the most exciting thing that I can announce officially now is that I have hired a full-time person and when I say person the reason I'm referring to her as person is because she wears so many titles so I'm not sure yet what her title is like queen bean like bean bag of the lands I don't know what her official title is on her like um, email letterhead we've got to sort that out but basically um, my manager Maddie has now come to work with me full-time and she's going to be across so many things which is a plus for everyone I would say because it means that I can put a lot of my time and effort into the content that I'm producing, the podcast, namely all that kind of stuff. But then, you know, she's going to help me fast track the process of getting the card games back up and running and selling them again, the merch, getting that happening. Um, So many other big projects that we want to be working on. And she's just absolutely going to help me accelerate this process and also like deal with contracts and jobs and you know advertisement that gets like run on the podcast as well so she's doing a whole bunch of things um her name's Maddie so you'll probably be seeing a a lot of her on my stories if you do follow me on Instagram so that is extremely exciting and yeah hopefully in the near future I can keep expanding the team and with this job I didn't really put out um a job what do you call it? Like a application or whatever for it, just because I knew that she was just the absolute perfect person for the role. Um, but in future, there are actually in the very near future, there's one role that I already know of that I need filled on a like contractor basis. Um, and then hopefully I'll be able to like start slowly but surely growing the team a bit, which would be very exciting for myself, for the podcast, for the the business, everything. It's really, really cool. So that's my life update. So I guess that is pretty exciting. And yes, so the now let's get into the brain fact for today. What I wanted to talk about was lithium. What is lithium and what is it used to treat? Because I think this is pretty exciting from like a pharmacology standpoint. So lithium is one of the the main, if not like the first line of treatment for people with bipolar disorder. And it doesn't work in every case, but it is at the moment probably the most successful or tried and tested way of treating bipolar disorder. But firstly, what is lithium? So we know that it's used to make cell phone batteries, pacemakers, parts for electric cars, steel, glass, and a component of lithium or like one of the components of lithium is called lithium carbonate and that is what's used to treat bipolar disorder and also other psychiatric disorders but mainly bipolar disorder. So it is an alkaline metal, it's the third lightest element and also the lightest metal and I think the most common thing that we hear lithium being brought up in is with lithium batteries. It's kind of where all batteries are kind of, well, I wouldn't say all batteries, but where a lot of batteries are headed down that path is lithium batteries. And that's because they they charge faster, they last longer. It's a light metal. So I think that's the reason why it's so beneficial in so many different ways and uses. And it's also easier to recycle due to it being lighter, apparently. So 
Where does it come from? It comes from Asia and Australia in the form of rocks. It also comes from South America in salt flats and other areas around the world. And most importantly for what I'm trying to talk about, it is used as a treatment for bipolar disorder. So how does it work? Like why are we using this metal as a treatment for a psychiatric disorder? So scientists have found that lithium plays a role in stabilizing magnesium within the body and the brain. And and it kind of helps the body absorb magnesium a bit better and the, the role of magnesium to play out better. And what does magnesium do? Magnesium helps with like signaling or kind of electrical impulses, if you want to call it, between neurons. So that way the um, communication between neurons happens more efficiently when you have the correct levels of magnesium. In bipolar, magnesium levels are often irregular. So, of course, by stabilizing magnesium, that's also really helpful. So, that's one of the main reasons why lithium is beneficial. But additionally, and I find this really interesting, lithium competes with sodium at the binding site, so uh, of like a cell membrane. So, normally when sodium is when sodium binds, it activates these receptors. Let's not go into detail. They're called G-protein coupled receptors. Anyway, if too much of this um, activation occurs and you get too much excitability, there's too much activity. Lithium comes along and it actually knocks sodium off that binding site and binds to these uh, protein receptors and then there's like a deactivation process. So in the case of bipolar, these receptors are normally in a lot of cases hyperactive and they need to be deactivated. So with lithium knocking sodium off the binding site, you're actually getting a lot of that deactivation and you're regulating um, the levels of activity in someone with bipolar disorders. And these symptoms might be treated to an extent when you're regulating that activity. So you're kind of looking at – and to, to having said that, there's a lot that is still not understood, a whole lot that's not understood about why lithium can treat a psychiatric disorder like bipolar disorder. But these are the two things that is understood about it. So I think that's really, really interesting and yay to pharmacology. Anyway, let's get into the topic of today, which is imposter syndrome. So firstly, what is imposter syndrome? Because I reckon, honestly, I think we all have it to some extent. Sometimes it's just a fleeting thought and then nothing at all. And for other people, it can be absolutely paralyzing. It can make you regress Um, as far as the work you've done, it makes you like take a few steps back. It makes you kind of hide into your shell. It stops you from going for exciting opportunities. Um, And it's, yeah, it's pretty paralyzing for some people. So let's break down what exactly it is. It's the feeling where you feel like a fake or a fraud, where you doubt your abilities, regardless of like you might know for a fact that you have the abilities, like you've got the skill set, You've sat all the interviews, you've, you've passed everything with flying colors, you've done all the tests, but you still feel like a fraud, okay? And it affects all kinds of people, but mainly it affects high achievers who struggle to accept their accomplishments. Well, there's a few different groups of people that it's going to affect, but it could be high achievers who struggle to accept their accomplishments as something that they've earned and instead they put it down to, oh, well, I got away with it that time or no, I was just lucky or um, the chances were in my favor because the other person that was my biggest rival probably didn't, you know, didn't fucking perform well or whatever, you know. And they genuinely think that because of that, the chances of succeeding again are slim, okay? Or the chances that they're going to be caught out for being a fraud or caught out for not being an actual expert in the field um, are high. 
So it's this idea of even though they can look back and say, yeah, okay, I might have succeeded these last few times, but that was because of luck. I now can't back it up. That's kind of that feeling of imposter syndrome. It's also this idea that you feel that you're not as competent as people think you are. So people around you are saying, like they're singing your praises, saying all this stuff about you, but you're like, that is not true. That is such a life. Only they knew the truth. I'm none of the above. Okay, I only know a quarter of what they think I know. And you're always battling with this notion in your head, which causes those insecurities to kind of increase because of that. Because you're always battling this idea of like, oh my God, they don't know the real me. They don't know the real me. So then you're less likely to want to, you know, put yourself out there and do all these things because you don't want to slip up. You don't want people to be like, aha, see, she really didn't know or he really didn't know or whatever. It's very commonly or very often linked with an anxiety disorder, but absolutely not always. And it depends to the severity of this feeling of imposter syndrome. And sometimes it's also linked with depression as well, which makes sense that a mood disorder would be linked to these feelings of anxiety about, you know, where you are right now and how people perceive you and your abilities. Now, can you actually get rid of these thoughts? Like, can, can like be gone fucking toxic thoughts? Is that possible? Can we stop cock blocking ourselves from enjoying what we've achieved? Because that's essentially what you're doing. Like, it's the fucking imposter syndrome is the ultimate cock block of, from your brain. It's like saying, struggle, can't work your ass off, make this happen. And then when it finally happens, it's like, oh, psych, you only achieved that because you had luck on your side. We didn't earn that. It was luck. It's kind of like constantly psyching yourself out, geeing yourself up. Like it's just this fucked loop that you're in. So can it be changed? Yes, it can be changed. Somehow, obviously not on purpose, we let this thinking become like the dominant form of thinking. And then because we don't actively intercept it, it gets worse and worse and worse, right? Because it becomes like the easiest thought and like attracts like, so we keep thinking similar thoughts, okay? But like a lot of things, we can change it, but we have to be A, conscious about it. We have to be willing to be open about it and talk about it. So we, so it's not like something that we're hiding and suppressing, bringing it up to the surface. And we also have to be willing to do the work, even if it feels a little bit repetitive, but it can be changed. Okay. It's just like training anything, a thought process, a muscle, you know, habits, routines, all of that. But often the reason we become, okay. Well, so next, next, next topic is where does it stem from? Okay. So where does it stem from? Um, a review in, I'm oh, sorry, I'm just reading it for a note here. A review in the International Journal of Behavioral Sciences show that it's common in people that were raised in, the, there's a few groups that it's common in. A, people that were raised in families that put a lot of pressure on external achievement. So if you've got a family, normally it's parents that are going to put a lot of pressure on your career. Like you have to take, take after your mother or your father, or you have to be a doctor, or we're doing everything for you to be a lawyer, or we've, we've you know put all our blood, sweat and tears into paying for this degree for you and you now have to go, you, like you've got to do it. So those people have this crazy amount of pressure to succeed and to have status and this particular job title and that pressure makes people become really, really anxious and then they mix this feeling of anxiety with, they kind of mix it up in their head with the fear of not being good enough and so they've got this constant, I'm anxious, I feel like I'm not good enough, am I going to live up to their expected expectations probably not and then it's this constant feedback loop of being fearful and that emotion then even pervades through even when they have achieved something or when they've achieved a job title or graduated or gotten like straight sevens at uni it's still it still persists and they can't really break away from that feeling of anxiety 
They can't pull the anxiety away from having achieved something. So therefore they feel like a fraud because they look at achieving something as pressure, which equals anxiety, which then for them equals imposter syndrome. It's also really common in minority groups where it's harder statistically for these people to achieve success. Um, So for example, they might feel like not many of people in their minority group have done it in comparison to the dominant population. So this could be women in a male-dominated industry or it could be a cultural minority um, in any in any country or people within the LGBTQI plus community. So it could be depending what kind of minority group you might fit into, then um, imposter syndrome is pretty common. And initially it used to be thought that it was a lot more common or only for women, but it's not the case. It, it does pervade in all kinds of different populations and different groups, but more so if you are in a minority um, group. So it's also very common if you are a perfectionist, which again, perfectionism is really heavily linked to anxiety. And all of this makes people feel that they have to work extra, extra hard because they have something to prove. Like I am a woman surrounded by men, I have to prove myself in this field. Or I am X nationality and I'm surrounded by middle-aged white men, so I have more to prove that I can actually do it because I'm different to the rest of them. And there's this constant sense of doom when you have imposter syndrome, this doom that it's all going to come crashing down because the reason you did well was that all the stars aligned and and it, you might have struck luck this time, but you're not going to be able to keep doing it. And, you, and the reason you can't keep doing it is because you don't believe that you have truly the ability or the skills to be able to do it and then so then you're constantly in this loop of like I need to work harder I need to work harder and that's where perfectionism anxiety depression kind of roll into this and it's sometimes it's even I need to work extra hard so I can prove that I can even sit at the table with these other people or with these other professionals within my field or prove something to their family or their friends or group of people that put pressure in them in the first place and also if you're doing really well at a very young age uh, career-wise at a young age you might feel like you've not earned your place in that field despite having the requisites to be there despite you know having graduated or have having you know, X amount of years of experience, you still feel everyone else around me is older, I can't. And a lot of this comes down to, not in every case, but a lot of the time, if you're in one of those positions where you have imposter syndrome because of the pressure that's been put on you, a lot of it comes down to a fear of not being loved, especially, or not being accepted. So because of that, it kind of gets confused for, oh, I'm not good enough in the skills that I'm doing, but it's ultimately like, if I don't achieve this, will I still be loved? If I don't follow in the footsteps of my mum or dad, will I still will they still be proud of me and want to, you know, share my successes in other things? You know, so it's this fear of like, am I actually going to be accepted if I don't follow through with this? So the stakes are so fucking high. If you're talking about being accepted and being loved, for human beings, that's kind of the highest you can raise your stakes. That's literally the the biggest loss that you can have is not being liked. It's not money, it's not possessions, it's not a job. It's being accepted by your community and your family. Okay. So if you fear that you won't be accepted for being you if you don't achieve these things, then you've, the, stake is, the stakes are so high that the fear is so high that you've attached so much fear to what you're doing. So, of course, you're going to think, fuck, 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 I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough because you've, you yourself have then put so much pressure on, okay? So, let's now talk about actual – oh, and then, before I go into that, 
something you've got to realise is that the fucked thing is, is that succeeding doesn't change your feelings of being an imposter. Not at all. It just continues the loop. So whether you succeed or whether you don't succeed, if you succeed, it's like, oh, yeah, but I was lucky that time. Now now the pressure's even harder. So it almost makes it worse. If you don't succeed, you say, I knew I was right, I was right. So both outcomes just perpetuate the problem. So you need to completely get out of that loop. There's no outcome that is going to make it better. You have to change imposter syndrome through your thoughts and your behaviours with what you're doing around kind of your job or whatever. Okay, so now let's get into um, ways that you can overcome imposter syndrome. I've got a bunch of them. I haven't even numbered them. There's a whole bunch of them. Okay, so number one and probably the most important one, in my opinion, is you have to get rid of the notion that we as humans, you as an individual, have to succeed at everything that you do. That is ridiculous. And the problem is that just because you didn't succeed, it doesn't mean that you're not good. We've got this idea that if you failed at something, then you're a failure. Instead of getting comfortable with failing, we should be so comfortable with failing that we, we, we kind of aim for a ratio of failure and success. That's how comfortable you should be with failure. You should be so ready for it that when it happens, you're like, ah, oh, yep, okay, yep. Yep, fair enough. Next. Not like, oh my God, I'm fucked. I'm fucked. I knew it. I'm a fraud. I'm this. I'm that. Like, what a waste. What a waste of not only your time, but your life. Have, like having these fucked thoughts. So you've got to change how you feel about failure. And I'm going to do, I need to do another episode about failure and how we feel about it. Because I think this is what fucking holds people back from, from really experiencing their full potential in life is this, this aversion to failure. Okay. You've got to realize that Failure has nothing to do with you not being good enough. It could mean that you missed the mark on this one time or that someone was better suited this time. Or it could mean if you failed at this one thing, it could mean that maybe next time you're better off combining your strengths and your skill sets with somebody else to go in harder and succeed even better, right? But this imposter syndrome is so much worse when you think that failure is the worst case scenario. So I want you to start getting really comfortable with failing. Go out and start practicing failing at shit and get used to it. Start applying for jobs that you know for a fucking fact that you're not going to get. Fail, fail, fail. And, and when I say failure, I'm saying in quotation marks, fail, okay? Because really, and I've spoken about this before, but failure to, to the extent of what, we, what meaning we put onto it, I only think you can ever fail to attempt something where you just don't take action at all. That's really what failure is. Because when you are trying something, there's always an outcome. You always get something. To me, I look at failure as something where you had zero outcome, no learning, nothing. You got nothing out of it. And really, that can only ever happen if you sit on your ass and you do nothing out of fear. That is real failure, okay? But everything else is kind of like a trial and error situation in your life. So that's number one most important thing. The second thing I want you to do is figure out and get clear on where you seek your approval from because it's a good idea to learn what kind of is the basis behind this emotion. So it might be from the people that put excessive pressure on you. It could be from your friends. It could be from your audience. You might have a bit of an audience and you think that they adore you so much and you might be wanting to change slightly, but you think, no, 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 no one's going to accept me now. They're going to think I'm a fucking idiot or a fraud if I change what I'm doing because they know me for this particular thing. So firstly, acknowledge, or set, I guess second point, acknowledge where your pressures are coming from and who you seek approval from. 
If you're somebody that's always seeking approval from your family, I think it's really important to identify that and and it's really important to break the pattern of that. And I do have some podcasts about pressure and dealing with pressure from family members and all of that. So that's kind of, I'm kind of going on a tangent here. But when you do this, I want you to take a look at what you think about yourself in every area of your life. And often in the case of imposter syndrome, you might feel that you have to earn love through achievements. And this is kind of this whole way you're seeking approval from. If you, ha- if you think that you have to earn your love through your achievements, and like I was saying before, you're making the stakes so high now, your fear of not being good enough increases and increases. And then the fear that you're not going to succeed is going to increase and it's going to make you ultimately crumble, at least emotionally. Okay. So ask yourself, do I feel that I have to earn love through my achievements? Genuinely, would my parents have something to say to me if I, if I actually didn't succeed at, at this career that I'm doing? Or if I changed career altogether? Or if you think that the only reason that your audience likes you is because you're a quote-unquote high achiever? Pay attention to that because where you seek love and where you seek approval, if it's in the work that you're doing, then the chance of you having imposter syndrome are higher because, you're, because like I said, you're, the pressure is way too high. You're talking about acceptance and love and that's the thing that we value the most in life. Okay, next, when you have mentors, and I'm huge on having mentors, either mentors that you know personally, like an actual mentor, or people that you just aspire to you know, be similar to. I'm, I don't think you should ever imitate someone, but aspire to be like as far as what they do with their life. Definitely look at your mentors and, or, your, or the, you know, your idols, but do not try to be exactly like your mentors. You should try and take inspiration from people, but identify and celebrate what you do differently. This is going to help you massively in the long term. The more you can separate yourself from the people you look up to, the less pressure you're going to have on yourself, okay? Because the more you can identify the things that make you an individual and make you different from these people, then you're going to start really appreciating and acknowledging what you bring to the table. If it was luck, then it's got nothing to do with what you bring to the table, right? But if you're acknowledging, wait, I do this differently and that's pretty cool. Or people people comment about how I say things this way and that's pretty cool. Or I do it in this way, that's pretty cool. So if you're doing that, then you start to really identify while you have mentors that really push you to go further, you are not trying to be identical. You're trying to take inspiration from these people. And I think it's very valuable to do that. I'm huge on having mentors, but not to imitate them, okay? Just to take inspiration from. Now, next one. Understand that the little mistakes or the information that you don't know happens to fucking everyone. You're not going to be quote unquote caught out if you're honest about what you do know and what you don't know. If anything, I actually respect people more when they can acknowledge information that they don't know because I think, fuck, this person obviously knows enough that they don't need to bullshit and act like a know-it-all. They're comfortable in their own skin saying, oh, don't talk to me about that. I don't know. And I, I don't know if I've told this story before, but when I was at doing the masters at uni, the lecturers that would come in at absolute guns, like we're talking experts in their field at the top of their game. And you might ask them a question that's slightly unrelated to their field that they're working on. And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. Don't ask me about fucking glial cells. I'm only focusing on this particular kind of neuron cell, right? Meanwhile, that person probably has 
a hundred times more knowledge than the average person about a glial cell. But here they are saying, no, 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 I don't actually don't know too much about it. So, and they're confident in saying, I don't know the answer to that. And I don't look at them thinking, oh my God, they don't know. I look at them with respect. And I think that's fucking impressive that someone with so much knowledge has no qualm saying, I don't know the answer to that. Not sure. But I can talk about this and I'm confident about talking about this. When you can own what you don't know, People respect you. There's nothing worse than someone saying, yep, I can do that, I can do that, I can do that, and then freaking the fuck out, wasting everyone's time, not being able to do it. People will respect you if you say, I want to do this. I think I'm capable of doing half of this, but I'm going to be honest right now, there's no way I can do that whole thing on my own because I just don't think I've got the knowledge. If you were to say that at work, people will respect you. And if they don't, then they're fucking shit managers because a good manager knows how to manage their team, okay? The beauty about being honest with what you don't know is that you can never be caught out. Never. No one can turn around. This but Part of the fear of imposter syndrome is that you're going to get caught out. If you can comfortably say, don't know the answer to that, don't know the answer to that, I'm willing to learn, willing to put in the work, but I just need some guidance. No one can be like, you lied, you did this, you're a fraud. No one. It's impossible. Okay. Next one. Look at the people who you think are doing it right and try and form a connection and not a com- like not competition and not a divide okay you want to see in other words don't try and put people let's say that that you're in a particular field and there's one person that you can name in your head that's at the top of their game they are if anyone's doing it ultimately quote unquote right or perfectly it's this person that you've got in your mind that you're imagining right now okay so instead of putting this person up on a pedestal thinking they're perfection they're the image of perfection i am either them or i'm failing you know i have to knock them off that that pedestal and be up there, you're then creating this unrealistic idea of who this person is. You need to pull that person down from the pedestal in a respectful way and think of them as a human being. Think of them as a person who also doesn't know everything. None of us do. They also make mistakes. They also started out. They also had to climb the ranks. And imagine yourself in that person's shoes. Imagine how many times that person was in a situation where they're like, oh, do I do A or do I do B? Oh, do I do this? Do I do that? Stop turning people into these gods in your head because they're not. They are human beings and the thoughts that go in through that go through your head, maybe not exactly, but similar thoughts have gone through other people's heads as well. The people that you respect, the people that's up on the pedestal. The next one is aim for progress, not perfection. And it sounds cliche, people talk about that shit all the time, but when you make progress the focus, you find it a lot easier to ask for help. You find it easier to talk to people about where you're at, to accept sharing tasks or to accept assistance when necessary. If you need to be perfect, then everything I just said feels like a threat to your abilities. If you think I have to be perfect, then someone helping you out to you means I can't do this. Or if talking to somebody about where your struggles are means I'm weak and I wasn't able to do this. I, I, you know, I can't accept help from anyone because that means I'm not capable or it means that I'm an idiot. Okay. If you think perfection is the outcome, then you're going to feel that way all the time. But if you're always looking to progress, then you collaborate, then you can share your struggles, then you can talk to people. You'll be amazed at what can come when you just ask for some assistance or or even less than assistance when you just ask if someone can hear you out, you know, just be an ear for you. 
to listen to, okay? So it's crucial that it's it's progress. I want to keep progressing. I want to keep progressing. Fuck perfection because even when you get – this is the beauty of it. Even when you reach this quote-unquote perfect stage, hopefully by the time you've reached it, your idea of perfect has gone further. That's how I always look at – look at achieving your goals and what you want. I never want to fully realize all my goals because I want my goals to keep changing and evolving all the time. And I always want to be working to something. I never want to reach a point where I've said I've reached every goal that I've ever had in my entire life. And here I am sitting here with nothing else to strive for. Fuck that shit. You know, I'm more than happy to always be working towards something. That's where the joy is, isn't it? That's where the excitement is. Yeah, okay, you get a bit of thrill when you do achieve something, but it's just not as fun, at least for me, than when you're working towards it. So progress, not perfection, every fucking day of the week. Now, the next one, this is similar to what I was saying before, but a little bit different. Don't imitate. Not not that not your role models, not the and certainly not the people around you that are your quote unquote competition. Because when you start imitating, when you think, oh, that's what they're doing, I've, I should do that, exactly that, and and no different, then you get way too in your head, and your creativity starts to take a dive. And then because you're imitating, you then start comparing. And then when you do this, you think that your work isn't right because it's never going to be exactly like the person that you're imitating. If I were to look at my competitors in the podcasting scene, for example, and I've done this many times, don't get me wrong, I've looked at them. But if I were to look at them and think, oh my God, I should be doing that. Like there are some podcasters like in, in like in the top 10 that or the people that sit around me in the rankings of my category who I really respect, love, and I listen to their stuff. But if I was to get into the headspace of being like, oh, I need to be more like this, I need to be more like this, I would absolutely be shooting myself in the foot because they're already doing that, right? And they're doing it fucking well. Like they're sitting quite close to the top of the charts, okay? And I enjoy listening to it, but I can't, I don't want to confuse enjoying their content to thinking that my content has to be like that, okay? If I thought, wow, they might be getting better downloads than me. What are they doing? Oh, they're doing this. I need to imitate it. Or they're interviewing these kind of people or they're sticking to just science and they're not fucking around talking about anecdotes. Maybe I should do that. Then I would confuse myself. I'd try too hard to be like someone that I'm not. And then worst of all, I would lose my touch that makes my podcast unique, right? Because the thing that most people comment or at least message me or on the Facebook about me is, you know, how I can just throw these random one-liners in there, be a bit more casual. I don't really, it's not a slick production. I don't edit too much of what I say, but people like that because a lot of people say, oh, I feel like I'm just talking to a friend. That's what I love. So if I was to try and imitate the people around me whom I admire very, very much and I love them, but if I was to imitate them, I would lose out on who I am and what I can bring to the table. So Aim to be inspired but not imitate. It, it, it fucking kills your fucking creativity when you imitate. Always look at general steps that people take but not specific steps. I know that a lot of success people are like, find someone that's doing what you want to do and copy them. I disagree. I fucking disagree. Take inspiration from what they've done. Look at the bigger picture steps that are necessary but all the little bits around, all the details, that's got to come from you, okay? And that's going to help you be, feel like less of an imposter. If you're copying every cunt left, right and centre to try and be like them, of course you're going to feel like an imposter because you are, because you're not being you, okay? Next one, celebrate the differences and what makes others strong and what makes others shine and celebrate the contrast, okay? So again, if I look at podcasters who wear like, like 
at least in Australia, on the charts like Head to Head. I'm looking at the Huberman Lab. I love his shit. I find it really interesting. I Literally, I love it, okay? So I can celebrate that to the extent that I love to actually um, recommend him to other people. I don't look at it as a threat because we're different enough. So I think, you know, you guys should listen to – like literally right now, go listen to the Huberman, Huberman Lab. It's a great podcast. So that's the kind of stuff that you want to get to. You want to get to that point where you're like, this is a quote-unquote competitor, not really, but someone who's right there with me. What can I celebrate about them to the extent where I can even recommend them And then that helps you celebrate what makes you different to them, okay? That's what you want to be able to focus on, okay? The next one is look at how heavily you are impacted by compliments or criticisms. You should not weigh either one of those so heavily. You shouldn't get so excited when you get a good review or a compliment and you shouldn't get so sad when you get a bad review or a bad, you know, bad feedback or or negative feedback, okay? Neither of them should take you to the highest of highs and the lowest of lows because that means that you're kind of at the mercy of what other people are thinking about you. And I was listening to this interview with Rafael Nadal, the tennis player, and he says that not the high, not the greatest wins have made him reach the highest highs and not the biggest losses have made him reach the lowest lows. You've always got to take everything in moderation. And while he's one of the greatest in the world, he always, you know, yes, it's an amazing win, but it's not the be-all, end-all of his life. And a loss isn't either. You've got to kind of bring it a bit back to the, the center and kind of even yourself out a bit. It's not to say you can't have extreme emotions, but not when it comes to these external things that are quite fleeting and they're going to leave at some point in your life, okay? So... My uh, one of the good ways that I can not be so attached to a bad review or a bad comment is by not be not being so attached to good reviews. I'm grateful for them and I love it, but more so than a review, I prefer to have to see my community flourish on my Facebook group, for example. You know what I mean? Like it's the work that I'm doing that makes me happier than the actual, you know, good and bad reviews that I get. Okay. Um, what else? Do a bit of a declutter of the type of media that you consume. Are you following things or people that make you feel inferior? Are you following things that's kind of like hustle and grind and grind and you've got to achieve and if you think you've got like fuck that shit, okay? Like you've got you've got to have some peace in your life, okay? Are you always, do you always have the TV on in the background and it's like blah, blah, blah in your head? You know, try and create some peace in your life. Now this is slightly removed from direct things you can do, but peace in general in your life is very helpful. Are you always looking at accounts that are always about comparison, comparing, being better, compete, compete, compete? I would kind of declutter that a little bit, eliminate a bit of that stuff. You want to look at stuff where you're collaborating. You want to talk to people, talk to friends who are willing to share ideas and share their knowledge and stuff like that. That's going to make you feel a lot more comfortable in your environment. And then you take that energy to other environments that you work in as well. And then lastly, the last one, and so importantly, is talk about it. You have to talk about having imposter syndrome. If you genuinely think that you have it, tell people that you have it. It's so good because then other people will be like, oh, my God, I fucking feel your pain. And you'll be amazed at how many people, even if it's not full-blown, how many people have had those thoughts. And it will actually help you put things into perspective. You think, oh, my God, here I am admiring all these people around me and they've got similar thoughts to what I'm going through. And then you start to realise that so much of it is just constructed in your head because I can guarantee you a lot of people that you look at and admire, you're not thinking. They're fucking frauds. They only got there because... They're fucking lucked out this one time. It's all luck. They don't deserve to be there. You're not thinking that. But if you found out that they on occasion had those thoughts, you'd be like, oh, my God, 
That's amazing. It's amazing that like it's so ridiculous that you would think that when I know that you're where you are because of the work you've put in and the knowledge that you have, you know, and it actually helps you. Well, that's one of the key ones is to talk about it. And it lightens a lot the load. You start to realize that it's easy to talk about it. The pre- you're not putting so much pressure on yourself. It's quite common, all these things, okay? You feel lighter when you say, when you admit to someone, your friends, your family, that you've got that feeling. And it's good to talk about it to the people that put pressure on you because then they might, maybe not, and if they don't, that's their loss, but they might realize like, wow, maybe we're putting too much pressure on you. Maybe we're saying this shit way too much. If you say, you know what, sometimes I feel like I'm a fucking failure or a fraud because there's just too much pressure all the time. I just want to chill. I still want to work. I still want to put in the effort, but I just want to fucking just do me at the pace that I'm doing it at, you know? And then those people might fucking back off. Okay, guys, I hope that that was helpful. I would go over all of those tips again, but I actually mentioned like fucking 10 or more. I don't know how many. I've got all these dot points in front of me. Guys, I hope that that was helpful. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. And guys, as always, please keep sharing the episode on your socials. Share it to all your friends and family. Thank you so much for doing that already for me. I really do appreciate it. Also, the Facebook group is absolutely going off. There's some really great um, comments and statements there. Always remember to be kind to everyone on the Facebook group. 99.999999% of the time that is the case. But yeah, um, always be kind to each other on that Facebook group. Always uh, be patient and respectful as you all are. And that is all. Thank you so much for tuning in again today. And remember, as always, be kind to yourselves, be kind to your brains. Don't take shit from anyone and especially don't take shit from yourself. Danke.